Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another week from this beautiful state of Wisconsin. And Robert Craig is with us. As always, Robert's the Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good to have you. Good to have you. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. There, There's huge news around uh, the new maps and obviously the fight against gerrymandering here in Wisconsin. We're going to dive into that in a bit. Uh, it'll be our major topic. Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we are having our 40th anniversary celebration in Milwaukee, Light and Brewery, Monday, March 11th, in the evening, 6 p.m., and Robert has been doing a lot of research, as we've been talking about on uh, on this uh, podcast, about our history. And I've been asking him every week, Robert, give us the 60-second clip of something interesting that you've been finding in your research that if folks come on Monday, March 11th, and or to one of the subsequent four events in La Crosse, Wausau, Claire, and Green Bay, that they'll hear. Robert. So... I, I'll give one little tease and then one piece of information. One tease is, how is it that I have we have Paul Wellstone speaking in front of a Citizen Action banner here, the great Paul Wellstone, the Bernie Sanders of and, his And era. for our listeners, Robert is holding up a photo of uh, Paul Wellstone in a classic old, it looks like a five-by-three photograph that you just don't see anymore. <laughs> Yes, and we have those of Bernie Sanders, <laughs> Jesse Jackson. So those are teases. Um, but let me let me add Barbara Streisand too. But uh, let, me, let me let me give you some substantive information. We've gotten used to within the Democratic coalition there being a clear coalition between organized labor and all of the different uh, movements and community groups, women's groups, civil rights groups, right? Housing groups, faith-based groups, right? Seeing the redistricting, which we're gonna get to. Uh, when Citizen Action was conceived and created in the late 70s and the early 80s, after the crash up of the left of the 60s and early 70s, the complete splintering of it and the splintering of community organizing, there was no such relationship. They were all separate from labor. And labor still had the most power. Labor at the beginning of the 1980s still had tremendous power in Wisconsin, but was very insecure because with the industrialization, the coming of neoliberalism and Reaganism, they could see the huge threat to the huge memberships they had in Wisconsin. Unfortunately, despite all the fights we did over the years to stop this, we know how that tur turned out very badly. But anyway, part of the conception of this organization was to change that. And there was a lot of distrust. And so when a huge coalition was created and a whole system of membership based on a statewide canvas, that for the first time you had a group that united them and they were on the executive committee together and it or it united labor that itself was very factionalized at the time. So the thing is, we don't know revolutionary things sometimes are things now that they're normal to us, we take for granted. That was something that was done deliberately by great organizers and achieved here in Wisconsin. Labor was at the center of our founding because the most visionary progressive labor leaders led by the machinists, the UAW and AFSCME, 
thought that they'd have a lot more power if they were in coalition with all those groups that they had, there was no relationship with, and actually a lot of tension and distrust between uh, labor and all of the and all of the other progressive movements. So that's my tidbit for the week, man. Oh, well, thank you. And again, folks, this is uh, this is going to be quite the event. There will be some leaders from the past in the organization, really important leaders there. Robert's also been working with uh, uh, West Tank, a really well-known uh, producer here in the uh, Wisconsin area, uh, to put together a video with a lot of good interviews and information about the and history. Just so you know, Matt, uh, you you wouldn't, you're not, you don't have, you know, you have so much on your plate, you're, you don't know the granular details. Wes has brought in two documentary filmmakers, Chris Thompson and Andrew Sweat. So there's a, there are people with that actually know, have, have, you know, actual documentaries out there that, and uh, so in addition to, we know Wes's substantial video uh, capacities and uh, expertise. So, please put this on your calendar again, Monday, March 11th. We'll have a link where you can go on, sign up folks. This is a fundraiser. We are hoping to raise resources. So please, if you can sign on and make a donation, we really strongly encourage that. We've got two links. If you can't, but you want to come, we also, you know, we've, we've got a, 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 a complimentary ticket link for you too. Please. We want you to come anybody who wants to uh, get involved, hear about our history, please come to one of our events. Again, not only in Milwaukee, we'll be in La Crosse Wednesday, March 13th. We'll be in Wausau the following day on March 14th. And then we'll be in Green Bay Thursday, March 21st. And then in Eau Claire in April 30th. So just a bit later, but um, really excited to hit the road and bring this celebration and this history to you. So folks put it on your calendar with that though, Robert, I, I almost forgot when I was putting the show together, I was like, right. There's that's right. The election is next week. Next Tuesday is the primary spring election. And this is an election that sometimes can be very, very low turnout, right? Um, there isn't a major statewide race that's driving turnout where you're seeing lots of ads. However, in some communities, there are some really critical primary races. Um, Want to encourage you to get out and vote no matter where you live. I think it's important. And if you, if you don't know who or if anyone's running, don't feel bad. Um, it, you're not alone, but do your research. You've got a few days here. Election, again, is on Tuesday. Um, but I do want to call out, for example, why this is so important, why primary elections we think here at Citizen Action are important, because it's a place where progressives need to be thinking about not only who are we recruiting for these offices, but then winning these primary elections, right, which determine often, in a lot of cases, um, who might be sitting at your city council, your school board, right? So want to want to say, for example, an area where we think this Tuesday is critical, and that's Green Bay. The Green Bay City Council talked about it last week. There are a number of primary races that really matter. A shout out to John Shelton, who is running. He's a 
member of our co-op. He's someone who uh, has been through our Movement Politics Academy. Um, and, you know, super important, Christina Thor, another critically important race. Um, and we have other races around the state, but just wanted to mention them. Two people who could really help reshape Green Bay in a progressive way that could lead to doing really bold things around climate and a whole host of other things. So very important. Make sure you get out and vote next Tuesday. Robert, 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 we have to talk about the maps. <laughs> we have a couple minutes before our first break. So I'm going to work with you to just sort of set the stage very briefly other than to say since we last talked with y'all, <laughs> um, the Republicans, and I don't think this is super surprising, passed both through the, both chambers of the uh, state legislature, Governor Evers' maps for the state legislature, and these are the maps he submitted this year, the most recent maps. And so it's caused, and by the way, uh, I should say, before th these maps were passed in the legislature, Governor Evers was asked a lot over the last couple of weeks, hey, you know, there's rumor that the Republicans might actually pass your maps. Would you sign them? And he's like, absolutely, right? He's pretty much been equivocal that he's going to sign these things. Um, however, maps get passed. It doesn't take very long before these things pass. And of course, all of us can see the cynicism behind it, right? We know where the Republicans have stood on this for 12 years, fought this tooth and nail. So it's obvious to all of us that we expect the Supreme Court to produce maps that are better than these. And so did the Republican leaderships, or they never would have done this. Let's just say that, first and foremost. However, we're going to go to break, and then Robert's going to come back, and he's going to lay out some more details, and we're going to get into this. It It is... There is a potential, and this has been echoed, I think, most clearly by um, Congressman Pocan, that the governor's maps, if he signs them, they are still open, right, to the legal process in the same way we just are have gone through it with the gerrymandered maps that they passed. And in particular, there's a belief that they will go to the, of course, want to get to the federal courts where they have it stacked, uh, and in particular, Diane Sykes court be where this could go. And then you're mucked up and we're stuck with the old maps. Robert, we will dive into the complexity of this right after this break. Folks, you're listening to the battleground Wisconsin and tuh, what a battleground this state is. Welcome back to the battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're citizen action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are mostly on Facebook, um, a lot of stuff there, but also on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Robert, before the break, lay you mean out. X. You mean X? X, sorry. I Come on, whatever. Um, w by the way, we'll see how long X lasts. I feel like we're still on Twitter, barely. <laughs> Anyways, that aside, um, Robert, before the break, sort of laid out this scenario. Um well, this is quite quite a uh, game we have here uh, for game theorists, Robert. Do you even know the 
is there a game you figured out that we're playing uh, or do we need to consult the University of Michigan? But Robert, your thoughts on where we stand uh, with these maps after what I laid out. We're going to do a bit of a Rachel Maddow. We'll go back and forth. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to play out the story so that we can agree on its contours as of Thursday morning, understanding our audience may have developments, uh, probably will have developments. So, okay, the Republicans have been desperate and keep upping their ante, negotiating with themselves. So Robin Voss, who is the opposite of, of, of the way he operates. And so what does that tell you? It tells you he is offering things that he thinks are better than what's going to happen otherwise. And you've been posting at the uh, uh, Senator Van Weingard's comment about it's like choosing a shooting versus stabbing. And I think he had another violent form. He was also wanted to be poisoned or led to the guillotine, yeah. which, by the way, these yeah. are fantastic visuals. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. The nobody tough on crime. He thinks about retribution and punishment. <laughs> Guillotines but, uh, in his head, by the way. That's oh, yes. very revealing. He's thinking you know, about the guillotine. He knows something about, he has some sense of the French Revolution anyway. Well, poisoned, that's actually in the news. We do that in the South. <laughs> and, and, and it's a Putin method. So uh, for a, a good, close ally of Donald Trump's. But uh, so he, he, they're taking the stabbing. So I think that kind of settles it. So what does that mean? Maps already laid it out. They think that the maps they get are worse for them. They don't care about democracy. It's about how does it help them have power are going to be worse. They tried to induce Evers with almost his maps. And he and there was a lot of fear then that he would sign them. He turned them down. So I took a, a, an exhale. But a state representative, one of our close allies, told me they weren't going to sleep well until... This was over because they'll make another offer. And that's where we are, the other offer. So that was very prescient. Um, and I have other inside information to reveal. So you have a weird situation where most of the Democrats overwhelmingly voted against this because uh, they think that better maps and better means actually more democratic. I'll get to that. Hey, uh, Robert, real quick. I want to just democratic add... partisan, democratic you know, literally that the more representative of the popular will. Real quick, I just want to add, and again, why it's important why they moved is he has a certain time limit before he has to decide, which is next Tuesday, right, Robert? That's my understanding, too. Continue. So so it's been reported by the media. <laughs> so um, well, source things when you can. So um, it so. And here's the thing, if you, uh, I, I want to put a finer point on this. If you score the maps with a computer model, Urban Milwaukee has a good piece on this, by what I think is the key criterion, how likely are the maps to actually reflect the popular vote? That's one person, one vote. So the will of the people. And Evers's maps are way better than the Republicans. They're in the low 80s. But some of the other maps submitted are near 100%. So in other words, they're still a gerrymander in favor of Republicans. Why? Because there is just like the Electoral College and each set, each state, no matter how big it is, population-wise getting two setters, there's a natural advantage um, if, you, if you cover more geographic territory and Republicans do extremely well in low-density population areas and Democrats in higher-density urban areas, more developed suburbs. 
And so there's still an advantage. I think that's undemocratic. I've been, I, I gave a paper in the 90s when I was still in graduate Northwestern on this because it really should, the only fair result is it reflects the actual will of the people and therefore every vote counts the same. It, it makes them not count the same. So, and you have this other conundrum, almost all the Democrats voted no, but you have good government groups, the Fair Maps Coalition, League of Women Voters, I think there are others, saying basically, take the deal, this is a great victory. And I have some intel on that. But then you have another yarn. There's a question of which is the which is the best maps by which I mean, but most closely reflects the vote, okay? The popular vote, everyone. Doesn't say that black people in Milwaukee have votes that are less valuable for control of the legislature than someone in a rural area. They should be equally valuable, right? It would be wrong the other way too. Congressman Pocan has put out there very strongly. He doesn't usually weigh into these or disagree with other Democrats. I don't, there's not much of a record of Mark doing that, saying that this is the way that it could be gotten into federal court and we'd end up back with the Republican maps. And I can tell you, talking to insiders at the Capitol, there is tremendous concern that Voss has a legal strategy. The Supreme Court process has avoided all federal issues, but Supreme Courts regularly look at in recent years, any mapster come up with uh, through normal process, either only by a legislature or a legislature and governor together. See, I can name a number of states where they've intervened. And that terrifies me and should terrify everyone because the result of doing something the governor tends to love, party, declaring victory, partisan, uh, bipartisan compromises, could be blowing the whole thing. So I have more intel, yeah. but I just wanted to no. stop and Matt, get your input, but I've also more to say on this. Yeah, so all of that seems very, very possible to likely, right? Especially about what they're willing to do. We have experienced that, so it's obvious. The problem we have, Robert, and after I say this, you can respond to it and then give us that other intel. <laughs> is we have the quote, some of the groups already out supportive, but mostly we have Governor Evers out there. Him, like not the politics of it saying, absolutely, I'll sign these things, you know? So the only thing that stops him from signing it is if he is convinced that what Pocan is saying is true. And then he absolutely can't sign these because if these maps like look he signs them i'm going to be the first one to be kind of you know frustrated but at one level if these maps actually can stick these will still be the best maps we've ever had in 12 years and there's there is celebration in that so i get like i i mean my god we how frustrating this is, is one of the biggest victories we've had in 12 years for democracy. And as progressives or Democrats or however you want to look at it, anyone who's not for this sort of bizarre, fat, kind of autocratic state, we can't get hearings for bills that matter, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so I'd be thrilled even to get in some ways Evers maps. Jesus Christ, don't sign this thing. We're going to get better maps, right? Like, I want... 
we can. I want. I want it all. I don't want of the popular vote maps. And yes, we could get their maps if the if if it does end up with a Trump Supreme Court. I mean, so I just don't. It's just really frustrating. We might have this scenario if he oh, signs them. I mean, like, it's everything you, from yeah. Anyways, you give us give that more intel. Part of. <laughs> We talk about this, and we have a lot of members that listen to this. We talk about movement governing. We're helping elect good progressives to office, or even moderates that are work with us. Steve Doyle is not the source of this, but he's a moderate that works with us. Okay, so it's not just only the progressives; it's who we can co-govern with. What we mean that by that is we're organizing people on healthcare outside. You have the inside, and we figure out how we're going to move things that actually lower healthcare prices. Okay, that's all it means. So we have a lot of relationships, uh, and we we stay with people after we help elect. Well, what a what a novel idea that is, Robert. But keep going. <laughs> it, it, unfortunately, sometimes the simplest thing is the novel. I know. I know. By the way, Robert, I was described. Sorry to interrupt, but back to like how we forget what it's been like the last twelve years. Robert held up a photo to one of our staff at our staff meeting of a of a public hearing on a bill. <laughs> we took people to Madison, and I was like. Oh my God, an actual public hearing on a bill that, you know, maybe isn't going to pass and and the leadership may kill it, but they would still give things hearings and, and give you an opportunity to make your case. It was to a norm. any moderates, to All anyone. Bills and basically got moved. hearings, then they <laughs> died. But if you made a good enough case, you might actually get past that stage. Yes. Dance yes. Those it, like now these things are horse and pony shows. Organizing people to go to the Capitol and participate in this is often dispiriting, right? Like it, it's demobilizing sometimes. Um, oh my, to even just thinking of the Evers maps, that legislature, even if we could get to within eight or six people, that changes what those folks on the in you know on the bubbles, and especially if we get maps that have more of that, have to think, and it opens up even things. That like right now are off the table, even if you don't get a majority. Robert. You know, I know I gotta say one more thing on co-governing. Um, because you were saying it's so simple and obvious. I once <laughs> had the good fortune, because if you can have a good conversation with someone you'd usually not even be able to really talk to because of placement. I was at a dinner speaking at a big event at Citizen Action New York, our big allies there. And I was a speaker, so I was at the speaker table, and I was there early, and the only other person there was the second most powerful statewide elected official in the state of New York at the time, nationally known figure, and started as a state senator. He was telling me how the key to his career was when he got elected, all the other people, I'm a senator on my own, and I'm running my bills, and I'm trying to pass them. And he goes, my God, I got three staff. And there are all these groups that agree with me that are organized and they have all this outside power. If I work with them, I can pass shit and be really powerful. And if I don't, I'm just a junior, the most, one of the state senators with the least seniority. And he goes, I don't understand why all these people don't understand this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Spot on. We, we got to take a break. But look, you know, we know this with really successful progressive legislators who work really smartly with, with conservation voters and environmental groups and us or work close with Planned Parenthood and think strategically about how do you tap. They're the folks that are succeeding, right? Work close with VOSES, block other groups to think about how are we evolving on issue. This is how you win and how you start to advance and not just 
sort of be stuck in defending territory. Folks, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about the maps. Um, everybody knows we've laid it out. Republicans have passed it. It's in Governor Evers' court. He has until Tuesday. Robert, any final thoughts on this? Oh, I, I haven't given you the intel yet. I know, but you so, got to give us, and then I want final thoughts. But I know about it because we have movement governing relationships, so I have inside information. I knew when Voss passed the nearly the governor's maps that protected a bunch of his incumbents that, and by the way, let me just say this. We understand this is strategic intelligence that all leaders we are working with have strengths and weaknesses, and we're trying to push them where we disagree, but we have agreements, right? And Tony Evers is no different. Do not take this any uh, as completely panning all the good things Governor Evers does. But his virtue, one of his major virtues and vices, often our virtues are our vices, is craving bipartisan compromise. It becomes a vice when he makes the wrong compromise because he so craves it. And because, quite frankly, the political theory of the case of his advisors is this makes him more popular. That cannot be the, what's LBJ said, what's the presidency for anyway? The governorship is not always just to remain popular. It's to do what you're elected to do, what is your duty. And he sometimes errs. So in the last fake compromise, the one he didn't take, he set in motion his people lobbying for it among Democrats. And somehow he was stopped. So that he is ready. He was ready to do the last one until he was talked out of it. So then they, okay, we're going to give you exactly your maps, knowing they knew this. They knew that he's just dying and his people think it will really even maintain or improve his, his approval ratings to do it. And that is what is going on right now. They failed to get almost any Democrats. Those good government groups, I'm told, are... Um, they, they say to people they have inside information, but have nothing compelling. They're being lobbied by the governor's people to go and endorse this publicly to give it cover. Now, folks can call in or let me know confidentially that's not true. That is what's being said at the Capitol by people who are sharp and don't believe things uh, generally like that. So that tells you we're in a situation like before where maybe what Mark Paul is saying, maybe if it's really the case, Mark Penn's concerned this, regardless of this not being as good a maps, this could end up leading to Voss's maps back because it goes to the, the Trump's U.S. Supreme Court, then maybe he can be talked out again. As of Thursday morning, he hasn't signed it yet. But my understanding is there's still a full court press going on to get cover for this coming from the Evers team. That's the intel. Well Here's my look. One of the beauties is he doesn't have he didn't have to decide whether he wanted to sign this in like 48 hours. He's got time and he should use it. And here's why he should do absolute due diligence on all this. And they have enough time. They have access to all this information. Right. And if the governor comes to the determination that these maps are definitely like headed through this process, which seems like very likely he ought not sign them. Right. Because he will end up. He will he will not he will not be popular when they get gummed up and we're stuck with these maps another cycle. That will cost him with just the with Democratic 
electorate, right? Gets out of like this inside baseball with us just talking about it and you folks listening, right? So he, he, this is a critical decision for him, right? This isn't because if, because, and rightly so, right? He cares about his popularity and he's, you know, so if these maps actually can stick and, and what Pocan and everybody lays out doesn't, ha- doesn't happen and he signs them, he will be more popular because of it. But if they end up getting gummed up and we are stuck with these maps, like then it's a complete boomerang. So he's got to answer the question that's been laid out. He has time. And I hope the governor and his folks will make the right decision. I really do. Um, it's super important for our democracy. Robert? Just one other thing, Matt, I couldn't agree more, but there is also, this is not a, this is not intel, this is a speculation of what people know, that the governor's people, who are primarily think about his approval ratings and potential to run for a third term, um, think that divided government's been good for the governor's popularity, just like it was for Bill Clinton when he had six years Republican rule. I don't, I don't want to make that accusation, but I'm saying that I hope that's not true because that would be a dereliction of duty. I'm only saying it because that is a concern out there that there's not only a political motivation to get the bipartisan compromise. He doesn't want a Democratic legislature pushing him to be bolder than he wants to be. And with that, we're going to switch topics a little bit. Um, Robert, I want to stay on the state legislature. We don't have to get too deep into this other than to say, like, why I want to talk about this is because it often gets short shrift. And that is basic, like, how are you going to fund state government, right? Tax and spend. And it makes tax cut proposals super important. They often don't get the attention that they deserve. There is an immediate imperative, especially if there's a surplus, a surplus that should have been spent on public education and child care and a few other things, expanding access to health care, right? <laughs> so there was a just a bad GOP tax cut that passed this week. Um, and we talked about it in the past. We have told you the numbers that 75% of the cuts go to people who make over 100000 and. 25% of the cuts go to folks under, even though it's being sold as a tax cut for working people, regular people in the middle class, right? Most of it goes to people who do very, you know, quite well enough. Thank you, sir. Um, every Democrat should oppose this. We we do need the governor to oppose, to veto this, because it's going to be coming to him. And it's why we talked about it in the past, because we were concerned we hadn't heard from the governor on it. Um, we are... Obviously, very disappointed, unfortunately, that two Democrats in the assembly voted for this, uh, uh, Katrina Shanklin and Lakeisha Myers. It's most unfortunate. If those happen to be your reps, you should reach out to their offices. Like, to me, they need to at least just hear the importance of those resources to fund, like Stevens Point's public school district, to fund Milwaukee public schools, to fund our city governments. Let's remember, like, municipalities still are not getting the resources they need through shared revenue school districts. There are over a hundred probably going to have referendums this spring, right? Cause we didn't properly fund education. 
So a tax cut like takes those resources away, goes mostly to the wealthy. I mean, we just have to have a conversation and ask like, what's the plan? If we give that away, we already don't, corporations basically already don't pay, pay taxes here because of the man egg and all the breaks that have been given away the last 30 years. So folks, please make sure you reach out to Governor Evers' office on this. We really do. It's important that he veto this tax package, Robert. And the governor has already signed in budgets and played, declared victory for regressive tax cuts and claim their middle-class tax cuts. So broadly speaking, we not only have had since the 1980s, I talked about citizen action history, a rigging of the whole economy against average people in favor of the corporate and billionaire elite, the tax system has. So as they've made a bigger portion of the share, they're the only people who could, uh, most of the gain of the last 40 years has gone to them, uh, they also have paid lower taxes, and there's no end in sight. Republicans, modern Republicans, they fund their campaigns, want to do it. That's a whole policy. And it has two different implications. First, it's just grossly unfair. But second, it cheats us of the revenue we need to fully fund public schools, child care, everything else. And the politics have changed because Democratic Party has become incredibly more progressive. I'm talking about the voters since the year 2000, dramatically so. And you see it in national Democrats where Joe Biden is not in the Bill Clinton uh, range, uh, kind of don't, a paradigm. I'm going to meet your tax cut with my tax cut. He uh, He's in a billionaire's tax. So all you need to know is it reduces taxes dramatically for people with retirement income. That's mostly people who can afford to put a lot of money in a 401k. And we got rid of pensions. And, mo and, and most people have depressingly little in their 401ks in this state. Secondly, three quarters of the benefit of the income tax cut goes to people who make six figures and more and extends, extends the lowest tax rate to more people up in the six figures. And none of it's refundable, including the child tax credit many Democrats did vote for, which means it doesn't help the people who don't own up taxes to benefit from it. And that's the same if you don't have retirement money at all, you're not going to benefit or have very little from it not being taxed up to a certain threshold. So any modern Democrat should veto this and any modern Democrat should vote against it. Absolutely, folks. It's just um, every time you see one of those school districts that's up for referendum, remember, right? Like we are not funding basic services at the level we need. And that money can only come from the state so please contact Governor Evers. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin where citizen action. Welcome back to Citizen Actions Battleground Wisconsin. Folks, probably don't talk about this enough here on the show, but it it's really important that you join Citizen Action. We never, we don't do long drives. We've been doing the show for, I think, 12 years. And we've never had like a long drive where we're asking for donations from you all. Um, don't really want that. We want you to join Citizen Action, right? Um, so have a link in the website for this. And you can also go on Citizen Action, join us. You should really join one of our co-ops. But if you just make a donation, you're a member to Citizen Action, 
helps fund this program. It helps fund the organizing that happens every day to try to create the world we want. Robert, I need to talk about Mike Gallagher with you. <laughs> um, Gallagher announced he's not running for re-election after our last show. And it's pretty amazing. It's, it's worth commenting on when we're talking about broader structural tectonic changes about what the Republican Party is, the party of Trump. This is the guy just a few months ago. They were desperately trying to get to run for the United States Senate and challenge Tammy Baldwin because they felt Mike Gallagher was easily the best candidate, not only in terms of like his capacity to raise resources, but to appeal to a broad enough electorate to wrestle away from the strongest damn state sen U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin, right? Who's a real formidable threat. We've seen that. He said, hell no, passed on that. Well, Robert, I think we have a better under understanding why he said no to that. And um, it looks like why he has decided enough of this, right? Like this is going to be a party that I'm going to regularly have to be out of line with. And that is a... Not only is that a untenable position in the current party, it's a dangerous position to be in, Robert. Well, it's a breath of fresh air. I don't agree with Mike Gallagher on policy. He's deeply conservative. He's for a lot of the things we've just been panning in the last segment without regret, but that's a policy difference. And Robert, he had the chance to impeach and, and and really go when we have the chance, and he didn't. There's so yes, thank you for saying that. He we did call it out at the time, so he's always been cross pressured. I do think he's showing that he's not a damn careerist. Correct. He's give up the seat. <laughs> Clearly, we have too many people who just will do anything to keep their damn seats, and that's not public service. Sorry, what's what's the, the office for anyway? And he just took you know a brave vote for them. It's bizarre when there's. No impenses of Secretary Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, that's remotely impeachable by any standard ever in the history of this country. And uh, just vastly politically, he's one of the few that will do it. And they're all over him in, in his own caucus. And he starts getting panned by all the talk show hosts in Green Bay, by all the GOP party chairs, everyone. I, I'm sure he knew the result. He probably predicted he goes, fine, uh, good luck. You need someone else. You can run one of your MAGA crazies. You can get Glenn Grothman or someone if there's someone, someone living in the 8th District in there. But it's an open seat. and You have to, like, actually defend it. And so he's out of there, just like Adam Kinzinger, who did vote for impeachment. It was on the January 6th committee. I was going to say, don't compare him to Kinzinger. Kinzinger. He's not as good <laughs> as Kinzinger, but Kinzinger would only give up his seat and his career do the right thing. And I hope if I was ever in elected office, that that that's what one should do. It's not about you. It's not about your career. It's about public service and the people and the con freaking constitution, which they claim to adore, but they've been shredding and their justices shred on a daily basis. So I bring this up mostly because I don't care about Gallagher and I refuse to throw any flowers at that man. Um, but what you say is noted, right? And it's important. What it's really says about is just to be clear what this party is becoming right like and if you think 
I've had lots of discussions with some of my very progressive friends around this who, if you think that the guardrails and the bumpers and the institutions, both within the Republican party or the broader like structures will constrain Donald Trump. If he wins presidency, please it's, this is a completely different Republican party. The folks, any of them, Robert mentioned Kensinger, my God, those dozen folks are gone, right? And so now we're down to these folks who couldn't even vote for impeachment, who are just like, okay, I like, I need to get off, right? And let's face it, that guy's going to make some money. Let's, <laughs> but it's about the party, the party of MAGA, and it's just, um, it's the thing that has to be deeply taken into consideration about what's at stake in terms of our involvement in the election, um, and why we need to get out, right? We started with a conversation about the maps, right? There's going to be a, no matter, hopefully a, an absolutely historic opportunity in the state legislature. And then we have what's happening at the top. So I just, we just, I right. wanted to here, be clear about what's at stake when a Gallagher steps down. And here's the difference. Look, the Republican party in the sixties was still a malevolent party in a lot of ways. And it was figuring out how to get the racist vote and pick up to get the solid South on their side. Okay. Barry Goldwater ran with the John Birch society candidate in many ways, but uh, not a lot of Democrat uh, Republicans in office. There were things they would not do. They eventually mostly turned against the John Birch Society, which is now mainline Republican thinking, not the name, but what they were doing back in the 50s, 60s. Uh, but even Barry F. and Goldwater, right, it, during the impeachment of uh, the whole problem with Nixon and Watergate, came out of a meeting with Nixon and just said, we can't support this. This is beyond the pale. He's got to leave and told Nixon, you will be impeached and you won't, and you will lose the most Republicans and you will be humiliated and you need to resign. You know, there was a line and that's all we're talking about here. I mean, Gallagher is still supporting a lot of Barry Goldwater kind of policies, but there's some courage and some line, even with Barry Goldwater. Now, where is it? with Speaker Johnson? Where is it with the with with the with the new breed that is now not just a factor, because the Gingrich wing was full of those people. Now it's the overwhelming majority and you and if you disagree with them, you're 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 out of luck. Yeah. You're going to be basically tarred and feathered out of the party. Look, it's the broader context. It's really important, but let's remember people, we will also win this election by going out and talking about a vision. Right. Um, and that's really important. I do think it's important. Right. This week, Robert Biden, um, th there was a lot of news around the policy with the IRS to go collect money from the ultra wealthy. That stuff's popular. That's really popular. Governor Evers. Democrats here in Wisconsin, let's get a progressive taxation policy together in the next month that we can run on. It's popular right and we need the revenue and it stops us from being in these dueling tax cuts debates right like let's talk about allowing maybe some legitimate working class tax cuts robert says like what is it robert non things that could actually go to the working poor too and we can raise revenue at the top right like to sign shit where we're like actually cutting at the top it's just Folks, we need we need that. We need that kind of progressivity. 
And we need to be talking about that kind of vision in the elections to win. We can't win just with the fear of Trump. We need both of those pieces, Robert. The well, I'm going to suggest a heuristic that is a little trick that you use, a, a scheme in order to, in order to figure something out. I think the extent to which the Republicans are lying about something uh, and not saying anything about what they're really talking about is a sign of how problematic it is for them politically. So the IRS provisions the Democrats passed when Biden had Congress partly enough to pass some things, not everything. Uh, actually, the IRS has been terribly underfunded and doesn't have the resources to go after the billionaires with their army of lawyers. Look at how hard it is to prosecute Trump. It's like that with every tax case. And they're protecting them, but they said they're hiring 75,000 new IRS agents. That's a lie. They said it over and over again. That's their strategy because they had to say it was that and not say the truth of what it was to go after rich tax cheats and corporate tax cheats, which is highly popular. And you see the same thing with Robin And it raises Paul. revenue, Robin Robert. Paul starts offering compromises. Something's going on. It's not because he saw the light on fair maps. Another heuristic for them, just like you can follow the money in Watergate, follow Robin Voss, and if he's offering you something, it's probably a really bad idea. Yeah, folks, look, it's an amazing amount of money, $851 billion, right? Like, And we didn't do anything with the tax structure. All we did was just go collect what's out there. So, folks, that's the hope, right? The resources are there. This is an incredibly wealthy country we live in. We face amazing challenges, but it can be done. We just got to set ourselves to doing the organizing. And part of that is joining an organization like Citizen Action and getting involved immediately this year in these elections. Please come to our 40th event. Come to one around your area. If you're not a member, it does not matter. We want you to come. We'll get you... We'll wrap our arms around you and we will get you engaged. So please join I, Citizen I really, Action. Yeah. What, I, Robert? I, I really want you all to join and we'd, we'd love to have you and have further conversation, hear your thoughts on all of this uh, as we develop strategy and tactics uh, to actually rebuild multiracial democracy and achieve what we need to achieve. But let me just ask you. Uh-oh, a but. This is a factual question to you, because you just, as some folks know, I'm on Earl Ingram's show every week, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. statewide on the Civic Radio Network. The whole thing of whether there's an open border came up in our in our hour-long discussion this week. And what do you think, Matt? You may know this, but you can guess easily. PolitiFact's judgment is on whether there's an open border, the thing the Republicans say in every sentence. Do we have half an open true, border? true, Robert. Is it half true? It's not true at all, actually. Oh, so bad. How do you know? National Politifact Journal Sentinel Politifact might find it half true, uh, but uh, it, that it's open. I expect them to... to Trump. That's what I might expect them them. But the point is, it doesn't matter. They repeat it over and over again, and everyone thinks there's an open <laughs> border. So why do they do that? Because actually, explain the complexity of immigration and their role in making sure the crisis continues for their own political benefit. It's not helpful. It's helpful to tell them some people something that sounds scary and is completely concocted and then use a use their own media, you know, uh, noise machine and a very and a two week corporate media to sell something that's fiction. So that is what we're up against. Okay, folks. And before we go, I do want to 
give a shout out and a congratulations to the union workers. Now I can say officially the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals workers. Uh, they organized overwhelmingly at Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin. So we we uh, talked about that when they first uh, announced the campaign. Congratulations to all of you. Uh, Planned Parenthood is going to be a better organization for that. It's already an amazing organization, but it is. this prepares it to become the organization it needs to succeed in the next decade. So we're thrilled for the workers and for Planned Parenthood. With that, folks, we've got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank our producer, Brian Woodridge, who makes this show happen every week. Brian, we love you. We'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.